are listening to the Arts Views Presents, the Short Views Podcast. I am your host, Deanna Costa. Join me on an auditory exploration of our independent magazine on the show where we bring you the latest and greatest from our arts criticism community. On today's episode, we will be featuring our editor-in-chief, the head honcho, the big cheese, the man is here, Bill Marks, and he is going to be talking about predictions for the new decade. We're talking the 2020s, baby. The Roarins, I hope, I don't know, I always wanted to live through it. Maybe it'll be a new jazz age. How sick would that be? Well, we're going to find out what Bill thinks about that, and we're also going to hear a little bit from him about our annual winter appeal, which is happening right now. And even if it's over, by the time this episode gets released, I would really encourage you to donate to the Arts Views. You can go right to our website. You can do it through PayPal. We accept all the cards, all the forms of cash. Send us a dang letter. I don't even care. Shoot me an email and ask me how. I will, I will call you up. I will tell you how to put your money in the computer. Whatever you need to do, we will make it happen. But we will also have on this week's episode another Ken Field original. If you couldn't get enough of canned chicken, I know I couldn't. He has graced us with another song called Barendo. Stay tuned. It's all coming up. curious too because thinking about like the whole decade in 2010 I was just about to turn 14 so I I feel like my understanding of culture and art and music was very limited to like a teenager's mindset but I I didn't really think of like as the years were going by and all of the trends and things it all was just kind of like happening and I didn't really think about it too much So I was wondering if there was anything like throughout these past nine years or so that really surprised you or maybe art that you saw it coming. Um, You know, I don't know if anything came out of left field. I mean, we're coming at this from sort of different, you know, you were 14. I was, what was I then? I was like in my mid 50s, let's say that, you know, in 2010, right? So um, I'm not, you know, think, you know, I sort of kind of came out of something and saw sort of a continual progression rather right. than all oh, this is just like you, like all oh, this is coming at me. Right. Um, uh, and in terms of just overall trends, uh, you know, my feeling is, you know, again, looking at it from the mid 50s mm-hmm. is, you know, a sense that social media right. has really driven and changed art and the arts and the marketing of the arts and the way we look at the arts yeah. in, in a way that, you know, I mean, I'm interested in what you think. You're probably going to be more optimistic than I am. (laughs) I'm a little more, um, you know, ambivalent about what I see happening, Mm -hmm. you know, because certainly there's more art than ever before. Sure, yeah. Um, But because of social media, because of the net, uh, because of the rise of Google and Facebook, um, it economically becomes harder and harder for artists to be able to make a living doing what they love. Yeah, I would agree. And a lot of cultural things that, uh, you know, sort of institutions, uh, cultural places where people could talk about the arts in a way that were sort of 
I don't want to unsubstantial may not be the right word, but in a way in which you know you could talk to another human being. You know, right, you go face to face. You go to a record store, yeah. or you would you know maybe at parties people would talk about cultural things that were going on. Right. And social media really has, you know, I think um, undercut that. You know, because we have yeah. smaller sort of independent stores, uh, record stores and mm -hmm. bookstores, although apparently they're making a comeback. That's what I've heard. Yeah, Thank God. Books. Um, yeah. You know, where people could kind of sort of, you know, browse yeah. and discover things talk and talk to, to a book clerk and, and yeah. someone say, gee, what's a good new novel coming out instead of going to Amazon or going to, you know, wherever you're going. Yeah, Barnes absolutely. and Nobles to to find books where you really don't have that same sort of browsing experience. Mm -hmm. In other words, you know. You go to a record store, you know, and the clerk would, you'd, you'd look at what I mean, I had a real life experience. I'm looking at somewhere <laughs> right. in that Coleman record, right. you know, CD I want to buy. And the, the clerk comes and says, you don't want that one. You want that one. Right. You know, you don't want, you want this other one, you know. And an you sort of get, you, know, you sort of get into a, an argument saying, well, why do you want to send me to that and whatever. And yeah. I don't know whether, you know, to start with, you know, 2010, but it was certainly the beginning of the waning mm -hmm. of that kind of experience. Yeah. Um, there's a really good book called uh, Culture Crash, I believe. I think that's the name of it, which uh, talks about sort of what has happened economically and culturally to, you know, sort of destroy mm -hmm. the places where people would bump into enthusiasts, people who are mm -hmm. passionate about the arts. So I'd say one trend, and I would say it's not a particularly good one, is mm -hmm. how that aspect of culture is vaporized yeah. and it's been replaced by the social media, Facebook, Twitter mindset. Now I'm going to sound like an old fogey. So, <laughs> so prepare to scoff That's and okay. you should scoff. Um, but you know, I have to teach at Boston university right. and um, the students there, and I have a class called arts criticism. So I have a lot of students who are there learning about reading about arts criticism and wanting to write right. reviews. And they're all younger than me now. And they're all younger <laughs> than you now. Right. And all of them are, um, it's not like they don't care about the arts and they're definitely passionate about film and about music, sure. not so much about theater, dance, visual arts. It's hard to get them excited, you know, to get them write reviews yeah. in museums. Um, so they have passion and they definitely have opinions, mm -hmm. um, but they've apparently, they, they seem to have a sort of, and I'm going to use this word and I want it, you know, this might be a little too strong. They have a sort of group think or a mass mind. I could see that. Where they're uncomfortable having an opinion about a movie or an album That's that will disagree yeah. with what all their friends think yeah. about a certain album. So, and that's the opposite sort of of what we're talking about where people are going on their own individual voyage right. and discovering what they love about the arts and what they don't love about the arts right and yeah. arguing with clerks and arguing with their friends yeah. and saying no i like the norse scorsese or no i mean it's, it's just another gangster movie the yeah the irishman um and it's hard to get students to do that mm -hmm. because there's the word somehow i don't know how that gets out but there's the right. social media word there's a facebook right. uh word that everyone sort of understands this is what we're supposed to think. Yeah. And they all seem to follow a line and feel that they're going to be f labeled as being stupid mm -hmm. or, um, and or then negative. we still have words like elitist, like, yeah. well, you like that, but that yeah. must mean if you like that, that you're somehow looking down at all the other people who, you yeah. know, who don't like that. You'd think that I would scoff, but that's a big <laughs> complaint that I have with my generation is that what, what I always felt in in middle school and high school and then in college which college has surprised me because my understanding 
walking into freshman year was that we're here to be challenged. We're here to open each other's minds and try new things and expand our horizons. And I definitely got the sense that people were afraid to to be different in the sense of opinion. Like maybe your identity is different and it's now becoming more accepted to have a different type of personality or the way you dress or how you identify sexually. But in terms of, oh, I like this, I don't like that, whatever that is, it's very much a hive mind. And I used to get really frustrated that I, when I was in high school, I was someone who was never afraid to say, no, that popular thing sucks. That popular person sucks. I I really don't care. And then for some reason, when I went to college, I think it shifted maybe because it's like your first time really out on your own, away from the place that you always knew and you're trying to be liked and you're trying to be like finding that niche and those those things don't really work together. You can't be uh, an individual and have an individual thought and then also find like a group that makes you feel comfortable like your high school group did. And it's very complicated. And even now not being in school anymore, I can still see that I think it is linked back to social media because people, you know, like will share something. And if you get that attention, it sort of like feeds back into it. Like I almost wonder if it's because people are kind of replaceable now because of social media. Like before, if you got into an argument with a friend over a movie, they were still your friend. And now it's really easy to be like, well, I get the gratification of feeling like I have friendships and interactions through this like Instagram where 50 people liked my picture. So I don't really feel like I need to talk to you if you don't like the same movies that I like or something along those. I don't know if it's like that black and white, but. I agree that uh, it's also social media becomes a means of policing in a way yeah, in other absolutely. words if you tweet or you facebook something that this that your friends disagree with and they can all immediately chime in or at mm-hmm. some point say no we we all agree that the film or the album is this way so what's so what's wrong you yeah. know so what's wrong with you yeah and i also think it's you know i mean i don't know if we're getting more general philosophical discussion <laughs> about what's happening over the decade oh, that's but it also seems to me well what do you know what is how does arts matter what is the mm-hmm. mat you know what what role do the arts play in our, our lives? Right. Um, you know, and I come out, you know, when you say when you were 14, when I was 14, it was back in the 60s. Right. Um, and the arts then had a very strong socio-political uh, connection. Activism. In other words, you listened to music and the music was there to reinforce, or in the case you'd have, often have a band at a, you know, at a protest or would be talking about protesting. Right. So there was a real strong connection um, between politics and art, mm-hmm. particularly for, you know, you know, teens. Um, I don't feel that as much now, even though to me, the political times call could, for, I was gonna say, I could definitely stand for some of that. need some of that. Yeah. Um, yet I don't necessarily at this point feel that the same kind of thing is happening. No, not um, the same way. And I think somehow what's happened over the past decade and how we look at the arts um, and how the arts are funded mm-hmm. and, you know, how artists are getting their money um, uh, is in some way connected to this sort of disconnect oh, yeah, between absolutely. the arts and activism 
And the way that we look at arts is having some sort of, you know, connection with the real world mm -hmm. rather than just something you consume. You know, you listen to it and you like it or you, you know, you look, you look at the Kardashians on reality TV right. and you enjoy that. Right. Um, part of the reason I started the Arts Fuse was to try to, you know, what I say, good criticism or good conversation about the arts is the way in which we articulate the value of the arts. What does it mean to mm -hmm. us? And I would say with a diminishment of criticism, you know, the diminishment of the kind of conversation we've just been talking about. Right. I think that is symptomatic and reflects the fact that the arts are, you know, have less real meaning and value in our lives yeah. and really simply become something, you know, we listen to and we feel something about and then we forget it and we wait for the next new thing. Yeah. It's funny how the internet has definitely brought the world closer together, but at the same time, it allows people to live inside their own small worlds so much more. And you, because like you were saying about consumption of media and art, you, you can very specifically choose what you want to see, what you don't want to see. And I, I think that creates a small mind and it kind of almost becomes a loop. I think there's going to be like two types of young people that are people like me that are like, well, I know half the things on Amazon are crap and it'll probably break <laughs> or it'll get here way too late or it won't fit right, or it won't sound right, and I just want to go out to a physical place and buy something, and it's in my hands, and I know I have it, versus the people that are going to, like, continue to be lazy, to, to just say, like, I don't want to waste my time perusing a record store on a Saturday. I'm just going to go online and buy the specific thing I know that I've listened to a hundred times I know I like, and I'm going to be done with it. Like, there, there's... With the ease of technology and with the way people can stay in their own little worlds and how easy it is to like not leave your house ever now, <laughs> I think there's some people that like out of necessity, it's a big help for their lives and at the same time allows them to to just get lost in it. And so it, it'll be like a choice. Like, do you, do you want to stay in that lane or do you want to try to like come back to the land of the living? <laughs> and it's also, I think, kind of hard for young people to connect with people now because this is something um, a friend and I were talking about the other day that from what we understand of life before the 90s, before we were alive, there were all sorts of things like organizations that people were a part of. There were like Boys and Girls Scouts and the 4-H club was really big in my neck of the woods and their church functions and groups and non-religious like the the VFW like there were all of these sort of like community centers where people could go and be a part of being around other people even if they weren't buying something or they weren't in school or in work and those places are starting to disappear and I think the 2010s kind of saw a lot of that disappearing and so I wonder like how much that kind of ends up getting reflected back into the art of people sort of like going off into their own corners. And So I think yeah. climate change is bringing about an interesting, both for the arts, because I don't think the arts have really, from, from my perspective, if you want to talk about prediction, mm -hmm. um, you know, have not really tackled climate change yet, Yeah, have I not agree. really dealt with it. I mean, I think that it's been talked about. I mean, certainly in theater, certainly in Boston theater, I can't speak for New York and elsewhere. Mm -hmm. there've been, there's been very little about climate change. Um, I'm only bringing this up because it's that sort of 
you know, that sort of that does bring people together because yeah. there's this sort of general anxiety it about it. It definitely does. And the challenge for the arts is to be able to, um, you know, to deal with the issue in a way that will bring people together. Mm -hmm. And I have been reading at least about some efforts of, of Gen Z, right. uh, you know, protesting. I think it was in Chicago protesting against Wells Fargo and its huge investments yeah. in fossil fuel. I mean, there's some old geezers there, but there also <laughs> are a bunch of young teens because um, you're seeing it some in the younger generation, particularly kids coming out of grammar school now. It's like they're, they're, they're thinking about it. They're sure. very aware yeah. of the fact that that horrible things um, and intractable things mm -hmm. are being done to the earth, which will mean that their lives and the lives of their children are going to be changed in ways that we can only just begin to imagine. Mm -hmm. And we've, we're getting increasingly bad news from scientists that, um, you know, that it's even happening, you know, that the ice caps are melting and a lot of things are happening quicker yeah. than they had thought. So my feeling is, on the one hand, yes, there is this sort of social media, you know, and we've been talking about it and lamenting mm -hmm. it, you know, this sort of tape loop, and everyone has their own taste, and we're all yeah. going to like our own art, and then we're going to get, you know, and then we consume new art. But if you want a prediction, I'd yeah. say that climate change, I think, is going to, re I don't say reverse that, but will challenge that. It's so maybe that's the fork, ball. you know, yeah. it will have to say that, no, climate change means we're going to have to look at ourselves as mm -hmm. connected to each other mm -hmm. and connected to nature and the environment. Yeah. And that if we're going to be going to save, um, you know, the environment, if we're going to be able to rewild nature as right. we're constantly decimating, um, that's going to take a huge collective effort. Right. Um, and a huge political effort, a huge cultural effort to handle the enormous amount of anxiety um, that that calls for. Um, and I and I'm hoping that art will seriously take up that challenge, yeah. which will mean, you know, having to deal much more about nature to the elemental parts of us mm -hmm. that we want to deny. Because the whole thing about, vis you know, virtual reality and the net right. and, got, and the goddamn oh, screens yeah. is that it's not natural. It pulls you away from like the outdoors. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are all kinds of studies indicating that kids aren't playing outdoors like they used to. No, you know, I'm like, Absolutely. they're all sitting at home, you know, watching screens. And I'm not a Luddite, but, <laughs> you know, I think climate change is going to have to, you know, because whether they like it or not, I mean, you can sit at home in your little living room and look at screens all day long, right. but the food you eat, the water you drink, I mean, the very, the very things that, you know, you depend on to survive are the very things that are currently under extreme threat. Yeah. Um, or if you do have clean water or if, and you do have food and, you know, you do have what you want in terms of nature. The price of that is that that will mean that you're very well off, mm -hmm. you know, that you're among the people that have, you know, that, that have the wherewithal to be able to have the have nature as as it used to be. Yeah. Well, there will be millions of people in the world that will have nothing yeah. like that. We'll be living get, in. It yeah. could get a little violent. It seems to me this is where art could step in yeah, I to totally be able to, and I'm not just simply saying, you know, to talk about the denial, although I'm certainly more than willing to get black comedies and satires.
Many thanks to Ken Field for that fantastic little ditty called Berendo. And now let's hear from Bill about why the winter appeal is so important. What happens when you donate to the Arts Views? How you're helping us out? We very much depend on what we can, the money that we can and support the tax deductible donations that we yeah. can get in in the winter appeal and in the spring appeal. And if you think it's hard for artists to survive, right. think about critics. Right. Critics are even further down on the food chain. I mean, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, in terms of giving money for critics or for people who are doing serious arts coverage. They're definitely disappearing in newspapers and magazines. And that's why I started the Arts Fuse. Yeah. And, uh, but they're disappearing in newspapers and magazines partly because editor there's no editorial will to have them. Mm -hmm. But also the idea is that, well, everyone is a critic and why do we need to employ someone, you know, to be an expert when yeah, people are sort of to give, yeah. an, to give an opinion or a judgment. Um, and so, um, you know, on the one hand, that gives me a sort of a unique sort of niche here. Mm -hmm. there, I'm now entering into, you know, my 13th year, you know, running as the editor-in-chief of the Arts Fuse, and there are very few little magazines like ours that have been around for 13 years. They're I up for a few so. years, and then they, they, they disappear. So yeah. it's a going concern. Um, and it's something that I'm very proud of. And uh, so the idea is that though I do need the support of people who want to read about the arts and want things, you know, to read reviews of books and movies and dance and visual arts uh, that they ordinarily would not see in newspapers right. and magazines because either the reviews are disappearing or because we're doing something marginal and weird, right. but the critic wants to do it. Yeah. And I give them yeah, the freedom to it. do it. And I don't care whether, you know, maybe there's only two or three people that want to read a review of a Romanian novel. <laughs> if my critic really likes it or thinks it's of interest, then by God, I'm posting it. Yeah. And I'm hoping that maybe some readers will will discover it. Um, so, uh, yeah, so our winter appeal is going on now. It's going on through the 31st. Um, there's a page on the magazine okay. um, where you can donate. If you also uh, go to the Facebook page of the Arts Fuse, there's a link to that page on the magazine, and there's also a link to a Facebook um, page right. where I'm also taking donations as well. And even if you don't catch the winter appeal deadline, people can still donate anytime. Anytime. Yeah. I never turn away donations. I, so. I will take it in any. I will take donations at any time. The only time now about the winter appeal is that it's now that it's close to the end of the year and people are thinking about their taxes, it becomes a really popular time for nonprofits. Not just me, anyone with, you know, an right. email, anyone with an email account is generally probably getting blanketed with emails asking for, you know, donations from, you know, from politicians, social organizations, right. you name it. Uh, so we're just, I simply sort of am coordinating it to work without it. Get on the Patreon and do it. And, uh, you know, any amount, I don't, you know, uh, you know, we, uh, we, <laughs> we will, we will accept any, any, any amount at all mm -hmm. will help, um, you know, will help feed a critic is what I say. Will yeah. help, help, help give a critic something, you know, give them a meal, maybe a hot shower. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, so it's not like I'm asking for a huge amount, but I mean, it, it does tend to add up. So even if I get, yeah. if I had all the readers, I mean, right now, um, in terms of traffic, Google traffic, we're doing pretty well. I mean, we're up to about between 30 and 35 unique visitors a month. That's great. Which I think is extremely respectable, given that we, you know, the that we don't really have an advertising budget. Right. All this has been done purely through, you know, word of mouth and right. people linking to the pieces and getting into, and getting into the magazine and yeah. becoming part of the newsletter, which goes comes out every week. Yeah. 
Um, there's also a place on the on the magazine where you can put in your name and your email address, and you can get the weekly newsletter, um, which is also growing in terms of the number of people who are signed up. Um, so, you know, if everyone who read the magazine would give a certain amount, and it wouldn't have to be a lot, then it would add up, I, it would add up and yeah. I would be a very happy, very yeah. happy editor-in-chief. Well, I hope we can get you some extra ones through podcast listeners. I am podcast listeners, <laughs> you know, yes, please, let us hear from you. that was the short of it folks thanks for tuning in listening to our predictions we would love it if you would share them with us you can do that on our facebook page the short fuse podcast we also have a twitter handle at the short fuse pod you can check out our patreon if you found us on a different method maybe you would like to listen to us on simplecast spotify or apple podcasts And if you're looking for a place to drop those predictions or you need more information about how to donate, you can reach out to me at the shortfusepodcast at gmail.com. All of your questions will be answered. Next week, we will be talking birthdays. I got a roundup of some pretty cool performers, awesome artists that happen to share my birthday, January 10th. And since I will be turning 24 years old. We'll also be talking about a couple of true uh, music masters that released their pieces de resistance when they were 24 years old. So stay tuned. Thanks for sticking with us. And we will see you in 2020.